In the ring with Eusebius Makaiser. Eusebius Makaiser. So obviously by now you know that this week is anti-racism week and every day I will give a 5 to 10 minute little nugget on fighting anti-black racism, fighting for racial justice in the world and pushing back against the proliferation of white supremacy in all of its various forms, which still continues. Uh, we did yesterday, was Monday, the first of our entries, and I focused there on answering two questions. Are all white people racists? And secondly, do all white people benefit from anti-black racism? Please have a look at that nine-minute entry and listen to it if you haven't yet. And you can tell me whether you agree or disagree on social media. Today is Tuesday, the 15th, and we're dealing with a separate issue. I thought for today's nugget, I wanted to read from one of my favorite books. I took it from my library. It is called Eloquent Rage and subtitled A Black Feminist Discovers Her Superpower. The author is Brittany Cooper. I know some of you know this book already. Some of you read it after I recommended it a couple of years ago. And if you're not familiar with it, you may want to get it immediately. It is absolutely stunning. Eloquent Rage, a black feminist discovers her superpower. Brittany Cooper, I'm telling you, it's just unputdownable. That's a horribly stock word to use, but it really applies to this book. So I've jumped to a chapter entitled Love in a Hopeless Place. I'm going to read from it, and then I'll tell you what the moral is of today's entry on the questions that are raised by the fight against anti-black racism. My grandmother had this way of beginning conversations with me in the middle. Perhaps you figured that out from the impromptu sex talk, she'd start conversations with an accusation. On the regular, she told me, you need to stop being so mean. Then you could get a boyfriend. After saying this, she'd cut her roaming eyes at me, scolding, assessing, and reading me. It was as though she had been waiting on an opportunity to tell me about myself. Who says my goal in life is to get a boyfriend, Grandma? And if by mean you mean serious about my business and inhospitable to bullshit, well, wonder where I got that from. Fuming internally, I just shook my head frustrated at this unsolicited intrusion and unwelcome advice. How could I tell Grandma that my lack of a boyfriend wasn't because of a lack of desire on my part. From what I could ascertain, absolutely nobody wanted me. She started these conversations with me during my vacations home from college, which was just about the same time I realized that education and smarts weren't necessarily a pathway to finding a bay. My grandmama had never understood why I wanted to go thousands of miles away, quote, upstate, as southerners call it, to college. Stop studying yourself, she'd admonish every time she caught seven or eight-year-old me zoned out in a world of my own thoughts. All those books gone run you crazy, she'd pronounce emphatically. Maybe she was right. My love for books had taken me miles and miles away to the world of beautiful black boys at Howard. I wasn't the first in my family to attend college. But my goal was to be the first to graduate. That meant I had to keep my head in my books and my legs closed. Neither my mother nor my grandmother ever preached such a sermon to me. But they didn't have to. Ambition was its own motivation. 
I couldn't let knucklehead-headed boys come along and ruin my life chances. At least, this is what I told myself. But staying in the books and then later focusing on my career wasn't in the least bit hard when literally no one was trying to date me. How could I tell my grandmother that? That I didn't have half the swag she'd apparently had at my age. That brothers didn't want me. And that it wasn't a figment of my imagination. On two separate occasions at Howard, first with King and then with Rob, classmates had looked me in my face and said, you're so unattractive. I had dared on both occasions to beat each of them in an argument. When they were left without anything of substance to say, they both did what men learn to do when they can't dominate a woman intellectually. They berate her physically. But I wasn't a feminist yet. I didn't know that this is one way patriarchy shows up. I cried in front of Rob, despite myself, which only made him despise me more. By the time it happened with King, I was less taken aback. Still, I had been humiliated by two men who figured out the easiest way to rob me of my sense of victory. They made me feel unlovable. I'm going to stop there. So that's from a chapter called Love in a Hopeless Place. And it is, as I said, by Brittany Cooper and a brilliant book with the title Eloquent Rage. A black feminist discovers her superpower. Now, why did I choose this for today's entry in this week of anti-racism? Because of a couple of reasons, right? And these are the sort of morals that I want to share with you. You don't have to accept them as morals. You may want to push back, agree, complicate them, agree partially, disagree entirely as you see fit. But the first reason is you are not deeply committed to the fight against anti-black racism if you are a single-issue social justice warrior. Yes, white supremacy, writ large, is a major fault line in the world, but as is patriarchy as is class-based oppression. And the reality is that they interlock and they intersect in ways that are irreducible. What Cooper is introducing us to is the lived reality of being a black woman. Even when white people are absent from the scene, you can have black men oppressing you as a black woman even at an historically black college, for that matter, that is meant to be a quote-unquote safe space. And I think that's important because very often us black men really want to be invited to the table by white men, but we are not genuine champions for a world that is just across a number of different categories. From a gender point of view, linguistic point of view, ethnically speaking, and also in terms of class positionality. And there are many other fault lines because almost any identity trait can be the basis of, of structural oppression. And I think what's really cool about this excerpt that I've just read for you is that it is an important reminder that the fight for justice must be intersectional, otherwise it's bullshit. And that is not just a slogan that feminists have cranked up. It is an acid test of your commitment to justice, whether you are emotionally and politically moved by patriarchy, 
in the same way as you are by racism? And you've got to answer that question for yourself, honestly, right now, quietly, as you listen to this podcast entry. Do you get as upset about patriarchy as you do about racism? I'll repeat the question. Do you get as upset by patriarchy as you do about racism? Think about it. You can pause before you continue with the rest of this entry. Hit the pause button right now. And I hope you've reflected because the reality is that many of us get upset, furious, enraged by racism. But discussions about the patriarchy at most are intellectually interesting. And at worst, we want to change the subject because it bores us. And what she reminds us is that black men can be violent. The system can be violent towards black women, even when white people are not around. And that also tells you something about the legs that white supremacy have, that capitalism has, that patriarchy has, that it's such an incredible part of the landscape socially and part of the social fabric that you don't need someone who's racialized white to be on campus in order for injustice to be experienced and to be present. And I think that's, that's for me, really, really important. Which brings me to a related second lesson. Uh, some words are not just made up to make you feel excluded. Some words carry concepts that are concepts that are important for you to have as part of your conceptual armory. One of those words is misogynoir, which is a combination of misogyny and racism, and it refers to the particular experiences of black women in the world, where you have a double site of oppression, your gender, as it is dictated by the world at birth without even asking you, combined with your skin color, become a double whammy in how you move through the world. And we have to pay attention to not just racism in general, but the different permutations of racism. Sure, all of us who are not white know what it's like to be at the butt end of white supremacy. But it doesn't mean that we experience racism in the same way. Yes, as a middle-class black man, I can experience racism in the boardroom, but it's going to play out very differently than it would for a working-class lesbian woman in the boardroom. And I think it's important to pay attention to the differences in our experiences of oppression, even if we acknowledge important commonalities that should be the basis of, of us strategically cooperating to fight back against white supremacy. I hope that's not too complicated. Let me break it down for you. We live in a world that privileges white skin. And that is enough reason for all of us to center racism in terms of our justice struggle. And we must do that. 
because we have a joint interest in eliminating racism from the world and its most dominant manifestation is as white supremacy. But what I wanted us to end with is just a sort of important footnote to that overall recognition that white supremacy is the dominant enemy in our midst. And the footnote is to suggest that just because white supremacy is the big problem doesn't mean that there aren't many little problems that we have to solve for and other big problems next to white supremacy. Patriarchy and misogyny are such examples and that is why there's a lot of oppression within the black community even when white people are not around. And that for me is the gift of paying attention to the work of black feminist writers like Brittany Cooper because they educate us and they expand our understanding of oppression and they remind us that while we must pay attention to racism, that it's equally important for us to pay attention to the other isms that intersect with racism and make the world even worse than we think it is.